You've been struggling with sin, and you get to the point to where you wonder if it's the straw that broke the camel's back. God's done with you, he's not going to mess with you anymore, and you've lost your salvation. Or even worse, you never really had it to begin with. So that poses the question, can a true believer ever be lost? We'll take a look at it here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Greetings and welcome to our broadcast. Good to be back on KFAX. We're going to begin a series called, Can a True Believer Ever Be Lost? Now, we're just going to take a small portion out of this six-sermon volume called, Can a True Believer Ever Be Lost? for the purposes of our broadcast here today. And then at the close of the broadcast, we have a special offer for you. We have the entire six volume set that we'll make available to you for a contribution of $10 or more to the first 10 callers here on the broadcast. So again, at the close of the program, be listening. We'll give you an opportunity to get a hold of us. But for now, with a look at this unending question, can a true believer ever be lost? Our teacher and pastor once again, Here's Pastor Phil Howard. Let's go to John 10, 22. And I'm going to read to verse 30 and then deal with the subject, can a true believer ever be lost? At the time of the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give, I'm continually giving them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I must make a comment lest I forget it since the emphasis of the sermon is on our salvation. When he says, I and the Father are one, let me ask you a question. Does that mean we're the same person? Can't be. There's a triune Godhead, right? So what in the world, how are they one? It's interesting that the word one here is a neuter. We are one thing. We have something we hold in common. And what they hold in common is the essence and attributes of God. We hold the essence, the attributes, and the nature of God. We hold it equally. We can say this also of the Spirit. We are one in that we're deity. We're all God. We're distinct persons but we're as much God as the other. You see, if you put the Trinity in an arm wrestling match, no one could win because they're all equally God. 
Now, the way it's arranged, the son would let himself be defeated because he said, I'll submit to you, Father. If you want to win, if you want me to go to the cross, I'll go. But in a true manifestation of deity, no one member of the Trinity is any stronger than the other, but they all submit to the Father. Marvelous. That's where there's power struggles in the home, in the church. You don't like church officers. You don't like church pastors, elders. You don't like your husband. I'm just as equal. Uh, no doubt you are. You don't ever submit to a husband because he's better than you or stronger than you because you know how to poison him. <laughs> you submit because you love God more than your husband. Because God won't hurt you. Your husband might. And you might have to leave him eventually. Because I don't want you to stay and him beat you up. He's not worth it. Women were not made to be beaten. They were not made to be abused. Don't let me get started on that subject. I've got to stay with the text. Um, look at uh, some things Jesus says here. Of course, this chapter is the chapter on the great shepherd and his sheep. And uh, notice he said, you don't get what I do because you're not my sheep. He wasn't all surprised. Then he says something. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, let me just give you some of the characteristics of the sheep. They know his voice. If you had 500 sheep in a uh, fold, a, a cave in the side of a mountain, and a shepherd came and he called, if 100 of those sheep belonged to him, 100 would come out. <clears throat> and they'd follow him. The other 400 would move because they only know the voice of one shepherd. So Jesus says, my sheep know me and they follow me. McGee says a great little statement. The badge of who the sheep are are, are those who obey. If you don't obey Jesus, you're not his sheep. You're not his sheep. You're just a, maybe a wolf in sheep's clothing. You go back, but inside you're really a wolf. My sheep obey me. My sheep follow me. John 15, my sheep obey my commands. That doesn't make you a believer. It's evidence you are. It's evidence you really have become a follower of Christ. He goes on, they will not follow a stranger, another voice, uh, because he knows them, says, my own know me in verse 14. And in the future, there will be other sheep like you and I that will hear his voice uh, 1,900 years after this event. Now, let's say something about the shepherd. In verse 4, he says, I promise to lead my own. Number one, my shepherd leads me. Two, he gives them eternal life. That's the debate. Is it eternal or conditional or temporal? We'll look at that. He promises that nothing will ever pluck them out of his hand. And it's interesting, it's our word for rapture. Uh, it's the word to snatch or to steal by force. Nothing can forcefully take you out of his hand once you're in his hand. Uh, strong, strong. Uh, in the Greek, it's a double negative. Nothing, absolutely nothing, 
will ever snatch you out of my hand. Uh, the sheep were given to Christ by the Father back in John 6. And here the Father joins the Son in keeping his own. Well, uh, let's talk about it. How many of you know somebody that professed Christ that no longer walks with him? All of us. I've, I've pastored them. I've baptized them. I performed the marriage ceremony, and I no more think they're a Christian than the man in the moon today. They walked away. Profession doesn't make you a believer. It's continuing to follow. That's the only way I know the true sheep. And people will ask me, wow, what do you think about them? I said, are they following? Well, you just can't unsave them. Well, I never did save them. And obviously Jesus didn't. That's the problem in the American church is that we don't know who the sheep are and who aren't the sheep. Because I just want to get on the roll. We got a lot of people coming. I want to join. We say, we're not sure we want you to join. We want to see if you're a sheep. We want to see behavior. We want to see, because uh, it's a dangerous thing to join the local church. They may have to excommunicate you. So we want to be sure you want to belong. And you don't want to belong, that's your choice. But sheep obey. Sheep obey. And so, uh, we live today in this quagmire of even what Jesus said. Four soils. Some immediately spring up, and then the sun comes out, they die. They will, they wither. Uh, some temptations eliminate them. He's giving all the odds that the seed will not take only one of the soils becomes a believing soil. Him whom God gave the heart to receive the gospel. It's a divine and a sovereign thing. Um, we have Jesus' warning in John 7. Beware of false teachers and you'll know them because they will have trees that have leaves but no fruit. Uh, they will come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And I love my dad's country boy explanation of it. He asked me one time, do you know how you can tell a wolf in sheep's clothing? And I'm saying, duh, I don't know. He said, track them. They still make the footprint of a wolf. I never tracked any wolves before. He had. You don't leave many tracks on asphalt streets. Where he grew up, they did. He said, no, they still make the footprint of a wolf. They've only put on an outward profession. And it's very hard today to know who's really saved and who's not. If you just go on verbal profession, you got to, is there any fruit? What evidence is there that they're truly born again? And that's why I think 1 John was written, the evidences, the marks of a truly born again person. Um, and so John said, some went out from us, but they never were ek out of us as to origin. They went out, but they were not out of us. So we know, we know as we start this discussion, uh, those who say eternal life is conditional use about 85 verses that we're not going to look at. I want to be here a few weeks. Uh, and uh, I must say by way of testimony that everything I'm going to espouse today I did not believe the first 10 years I was saved. 
saved at 14, let's say about 26, I started believing this stuff because I always believed you could lose it. And I did for six months. I backslid. Anybody ever backslide? Are you backsliding now? I, no, I didn't mean a trick on you. Those of you raised your hand, you were. But you, uh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't try to catch Oh, you're back. No. Well, I backslid when I first got saved. Because I grew up with this. That, did you ever hear the song, Sin shall never enter there. Sin shall never enter there. Sin shall never enter there. I thought, well, I just sinned. I guess I don't get to enter. Because nobody ever showed me that when I sin, I need to confess it and take it to the Lord, but I don't have to start all over again. And so after I did about, oh, 10 good sins, I thought, I must either be a hypocrite or unsaved. Uh, I just lost it, sincerely. And I would, uh, by way of testimony, don't want to bog you down with this, I would cry at night uh, in the bed after I'd been out sinning with my buddies and say, Lord, I sure wish I could live it. I sure wish I could go to heaven, but I just can't live it, so I've thrown in the towel. I thought that was at least honest. And through God's guidance, not through theology, just experientially, I was invited to a prayer meeting on a Sunday night. And there, I just said, God, I would sure like to serve you. I'm bombing it. Uh, I, I'm sorry for this stuff I've been doing. But you know, I just don't know how to live it. And God, in grace and mercy, restored me that night. And I picked up. I still don't know how I made it, all that. I must have just automatically confessed. But no one ever showed me the verse. I didn't know that. Because I grew up in groups where we had to have five revivals a year to keep everybody saved. Because <laughs> you can lose it by the time that revival was over. So, wonderful circles as long as you can live on probation. And, uh, but let's look at this verse. And I, I want to take the next few weeks giving you, next week, reasons in the sun that I think your salvation is eternal. Then we'll do reasons in the Spirit. But today I want to give you six reasons found in the Father for why I think once you put faith in Christ, uh, your eternal life is forever. Now, I don't like uh, the term once saved, always saved. I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I accepted Christ in junior church, and I've been living like hell ever since, and I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Do I make myself plain? You're not. It ought to be once saved, always changed. Always, and I always love to ask people, when did you change? Change what? That's your problem. You have never changed. You're still sleeping with the wrong woman. You're still strung out on drugs. You're still a drunk. You're still a thief. There's no change. God didn't save you to keep you in your sin. He saved you to get you out, to set you free, to give you power. But he doesn't leave you like he found you. So once saved, because this is where I grew up, we hated the doctrine of the security of the believer because we understood it, because I'm from a Wesleyan 
Methodist, holiness, Pentecostal background. We were strict kind of Christians. We believed that anything that fostered a life of sin could be of God. And we understood these worldly old Baptists had security because they wanted to live like the devil. Isn't that terrible? But that's what we thought of you. Now you say, no Baptist, and I went to Baptist, and no Baptist is going to change me on this. You guys are worldly. I saw three girls wearing makeup. <laughs> I knew they were worldly. That was the background. That was the background. A lot of external rules and things. And so he said, you couldn't believe security because it sounds like a license to sin. I'm covered. I got mine. Doesn't matter how I live, so I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. Once saved, always being changed. It's a continuous process. Well, let's now listen to why I think, just in the Father, why eternal life is eternal life. Well, he could have said, and I promise to give you temporal life. I promise to give you life until you sin. I promise to give you life until you flub up. He said, I offer you my life, which is eternal life. Now, first promise, the promise of the Father. The Father said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10. Whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ will be saved and not come into judgment or condemnation. This is the promise of God and the promise of the Son. God has given his word that if you'll put your faith in Christ, he'll give you the kind of life that will never cease to be. It's a divine promise. And he offers it to us as sinners. Believe in Christ. They that call upon the name, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you can't take God at his word, you can't count on anything. You want to believe God's word. That's our only. Uh, sometimes the people with security can come across cocky or arrogant. No, we don't. Hey, folks, this is not about our ability. It's about his work in the sheep. It's not about our ability. Because we're all wrecks left to ourselves. You, I don't think there's a sheep here that's ever going to land in heaven if you didn't have the right shepherd. You just, you just can't. I just know sheep too well. I'm one of you. we prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. Lord, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. We all have been acquainted enough with our sins, our temptations, our weaknesses, to no one boast. I'll be there because I can make it. Oh, oh, it's the last thing. I was being disciplined for teaching eternal security in a Pentecostal school. And they brought in the Board of Regents. Uh, they would have kicked me out, but I had too many family members that were preachers. And they couldn't mess with my family. And so uh, they had to be good to me. But they called me on the carpet. Are you teaching eternal security? Yeah, I guess I am. And I'm the dean of the school. I'm not supposed to do that. And uh, uh, they said, well, we, we can't have that. And then as they interrogated me, one sincere man uh, really meant it, but as tough as a boot. I mean, he wouldn't put up with me very long. Uh, Niemeyer happened to be a relative of my wife's people. Uh, 
He said, son, I'm really scared for you. I was 26. He said, I'm really afraid for you. And I said, why is that? He said, your position is so arrogant. It is so haughty for you to tell me that you're going to make it all the way and you're never going to, you're never going to fall. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You misunderstand the position. I'm liable to do anything. My, my assurance is based upon what he's going to do. See, my assurance is based on my shepherd, not on the sheep. I can get lost five times a day in the field. But I'm telling you, and my life's verse was, and we'll come to it, now unto him who is able to keep you. My father, again, just a home country boy, he said he either can or he can't. He is able to keep you from falling, three of you know it, and to present you faultless to the, that's, don't you be arrogant. Don't let me set you up for pride and go out here and have a big blunder because you think you're keeping your, our shepherd's keeping us, not the sheep keeping themselves. So you got to have the right shepherd if you're ever going to make it. Not the false shepherds of Israel. Okay, second thing, the purpose of the Father. Uh, when did God start with you? Oh, before the foundation. That, that's right on. Ephesians 1. Don't you know that before the foundations of the world, God chose you. And he also predestined you. Now, most of you can't even spell it, but you don't believe it. Uh, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Says it again in Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew them, he called or predestined whom he predestined he called whom he called he justified and whom he justified he glorified how can God use past tenses on all those words when I haven't even been glorified yet it's certain he who sees the end from the beginning says the same people I justify the same people I call the same people I foreknew the same people I chose they will be glorified Past tense, all the way. I'm going to have to get more tape. They, he makes it all. How can God say, I haven't even landed yet? How can you be saying, I'll be, uh, I happen to know everything. And I know how you're going to turn out. I'm going to see to it that you're glorified. Those I chose. God didn't begin with you in time. He began with you back in an eternal plan where he, the Son, and the Spirit planned all things that come to pass. It's just called the decree of God. Ephesians 1.11, the divine purpose of God. Can a true believer ever be lost? Well, as we're seeing here today on Truth For Today, to truly be lost again after being saved would be like trying to drown your thumb. You can stick your thumb underwater all day long and it'll never drown. It's only when you take the head and stick it underwater that you run the risk of losing that thumb. As long as our head, the Lord Jesus Christ, is enthroned in heaven, I really don't think that's going to be a problem, do you? This has been Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for joining us. It's a delight to be back on KFAX. And our prayer is that these times together encourage you in Christ. 
If you would like to review today's broadcast, maybe obtain a copy for a friend or a loved one. Well, we are available. Toll free. Give us a call. 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. As mentioned at the beginning of our broadcast today, if you are one of our first 10 callers, we will send you the entire six-sermon volume that today's broadcast was taken from for a contribution of $10 or more, plus shipping and handling. So give us a call today and request the series, again, for a gift of $10 or more. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Ask for the series by name, Can a True Believer Ever Be Lost? That phone number again is 855-833-9864. If you're writing to us, our address is Truth For Today, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's Suite 278 here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. And if you would like more information, again, simply give us a call. We have a new website on our way. In the meantime, valleybible.org is a great place to start. It'll give you a lot of insight as to who we are and what we believe and our church and our location as well. You are invited to join us. If you're not involved in a church fellowship, do stop by Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Again, details at our website, valleybible.org, or call 855-833-9864. And let one of the ushers know you were invited by the radio broadcast. That would encourage us a great deal. Today's program is sponsored through the generous donation of our listeners. We do thank you for partnering with us here at Truth For Today. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you as you seek Jesus Christ and His truth for today. Today.